Please pray with me. May the good news come to us, gracious God, not just in words, but in the transforming power of your spirit. In the name of Christ, amen. In the fantasy novel by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, four young British siblings enter a, enter a, clo a coat closet, and they come out on the other side into a different world. It's a magical world called Narnia. It's populated by talking animals and ruled by a lion named Aslan, the original Lion King. In one scene, the youngest child is asking Mr. Rabbit about Aslan. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe? Shot back Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? He's a lion, the great lion. Of course he's not safe, but he's good. When you heard the words of Jesus in our gospel reading, did you feel some discomfort? Maybe a bit of a shock? I know I did. He comes across sometimes as harsh. He doesn't sound safe. He doesn't sound like the Jesus we feel we have come to know and love. Each Sunday, we celebrate Jesus' promise of peace to his followers by passing the peace of Christ to each other, as we did this morning. So it is jarring to hear Jesus say, you think I came to bring peace on earth? Think again. I came to, not to bring peace, but a sword. I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother. He's using sword here as a metaphor for the conflict that Jesus' message and calling could bring even in families. Maria graduated from law school at the top of her class. Her parents are salivating at the lucrative job offers she receives from top law firms. They expect her salary to help make their retirement more comfortable. Instead, Maria believes her calling as a follower of Jesus is to offer her expertise to poor people, homeless people, and others who don't have access to good legal help. Her parents are appalled, saying she would practically be giving away the knowledge that took so much time and resources to obtain. Now, now the parents were believers. They had raised Maria in the church and encouraged her to follow Jesus and take his calling seriously. They just didn't think she'd go that far. No wonder Jesus said he would bring division 
that would threaten even our closest relationships. For Jesus' message, as you may have noticed, is very countercultural. The world does not easily take to giving away your assets, or serving the humble, or loving your enemies, or forgiving those who wrong you, or standing up for justice for marginalized people. Those who take Jesus seriously can expect conflict with those who think success is based on wealth and power and beauty and status. In that sense, Jesus, Jesus is not safe. And he went on to say this, whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Losing your life for Jesus' sake, taking up your cross, doesn't sound safe either. But what does Jesus mean? I think losing your life for Jesus means allowing yourself to be transformed by knowing Jesus. And the change may be painful if Jesus calls you to do something that is not only countercultural, but quite difficult. But if you do that, Jesus says, you will find your life. I take that as meaning your best life. The life you were meant for. Whereas Jesus said another time, abundant life. So in offering her legal expertise to help marginalized people, Maria finds she is happier, more fulfilled than if she had pursued a high-powered legal career at an impressive salary. She has found her life, as Jesus puts it. So Jesus' promise that we will find our life means that following him will challenge us in ways we can't predict, but it will turn out to be the best way to live. Knowing that, Jesus is not safe, but he's good. In 2013, the New York Times published an article about James and Anne, who were barely out of high school. They seemed to have everything going for them as a couple. Their families were close. They had never been in any, any kind of trouble. So it was a shock to everyone when James turned himself in after shooting Anne in the head at the end of a long argument. Anne's dad recalls praying by his daughter's bedside in the ICU. She was hooked up to, to tubes as her life slipped away. She was unable to speak. And yet somehow, Dad felt his unconscious daughter communicating to him over and over. The message, forgive him, forgive him. His response was immediate and definite. No, Anne, not that. You're asking too much. 
It's impossible that that can never happen, not for a crime like this. But during Anne's last few days on life support, her dad, as he continued praying, came to realize that it was not just Anne asking to him to forgive James. It was Jesus. So Anne's parents decided to embark on a journey of restorative justice. This is a process of criminal justice that doesn't stop with punishing the offender, but tries to repair as much as possible the damage caused by a crime. In this case, Anne's parents sat in a room for three days with James, his parents, and a facilitator. They told their difficult truths, exposing deep rage and anguish, not protecting each other from the horrors of the crime or from everyone's unimaginable loss. The criminal lawyer who was facilitating said, it was excruciating, as tra traumatic as anything I've ever listened to. By the end of the three days, a transformation had taken place in each person, but perhaps most notably in Anne's dad, who originally would not consider forgiveness, but now said, yes, it's possible. I can forgive. But that forgiveness did not come cheaply. Anne's dad let himself go through the anger and pain the shame and helplessness at the senseless death of his daughter. He went through these feelings slowly until they began to fade and what was left was real forgiveness. Forgiveness did not take away accountability. James is serving a 20-year sentence. But it did enable Anne's parents gradually to free themselves by letting go of their continued resentment. Anne's mom remarked that if they had not been willing to forgive James, it would have been like being in prison with him. That reminds me of Lewis Speed's observation that when you forgive someone, you set a prisoner free, and you find out the prisoner was you. You've probably heard the popular question, what would Jesus do? Let's take that a step further and ask, what would Jesus call you or me to do? Chances are not something as traumatic as forgiving a murder, but he could be asking you to forgive someone for a lesser offense. Whether they want your forgiveness or not, maybe it's time to evict the resentment that's living in you rent-free and sapping your vitality. Maybe Jesus wants you to ask forgiveness from someone you have wronged. Or maybe to be realistic about a personal habit that is not helping you. Or Jesus could be calling you to give more of your time or talent or treasure. 
Well, maybe it's being more intentional in relating to marginalized people, accepting and respecting and validating them for who they are. An example would be calling trans people by the names and pronouns that they have requested. To me, that's just human decency. But it's also a way of showing the love of Christ. People often talk about finding God's call or God's will as if it meant some sort of major career change. But I'm convinced that for most of us, following God's call means pursuing the tasks that we have right now in a Christ-like way. I'll close with some additional words from Jesus in this same passage as he spoke to his disciples about the persecution they would likely face. So have no fear of them. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable than many, than many sparrows. In other words, God's got your back. You are valuable to God. And God watches over you. And gives you the grace to do what you're called to do. And that happens as we watch over each other. And encourage one another and support one another. So no one follows Jesus alone. May you come more fully to know the living Christ. Not so much the safe one, but the good one. Amen.